you know, one of the things that I've carried as a theme as I always come here is journey. And right now we're journeying through the Easter season. But I don't think you can journey through the Easter season without looking at the possibility of the journey we took during Lent and the journey we took through the, tri tri the uh, Holy Week. I think that's crucial and important to understand. And I like to do it by looking at the apostles because we are apostles. We are disciples, and that's important to understand. I think what happens is, is that on the journey that went through Lent, the apostles were in formation. What was happening was they were learning, they were studying, they were being given example by Jesus Christ with his life. There was so much formation that's going on. And once again, they didn't quite understand everything that was taking place and all that was going on in their formation process. It's very similar to each and every one of us, to our children, to our teenagers, to all of them. Once again, why do we go to Mass? Well, you go to Mass to hear the Word of God, which can be instruction. You go to Mass to receive the sacrament, to be able to receive the grace that you need in the Eucharist, to meet the challenges that you face each and every day in your life. The apostles begin to start understanding more and more as they traveled through the Holy Week and they went to the Last Supper. They went through the passion of Jesus Christ, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension, and eventually Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came to each and every one of them. And that's what we've been doing. We've been doing that during the Easter season through the Acts of the Apostles. And to me, the Acts of the Apostles is what I'd like to be able to address. And the Acts of the Apostles is basically divided into two parts. It begins in the first half of the Easter season with an explanation by Peter of all the things that he did as the rock that was beginning the formation of our church, the embryo of the church, the beginning of the church, the very nucleus of what began and what was started. And the second half of Advent, of, of Easter, of, of the Easter season is Paul and his conversion and all that takes place and the understanding that people of faith can become part of this church. There was nothing special that they had to be. They didn't have to belong to a particular nationality. They were people of faith and they could belong. And what happened was today we see stories in the Acts of the Apostles each and every day in Easter season at morning mass that are amazing that takes place. And if we read that every day and we look at that, that's full instruction that's being given to us and spiritual guidance that comes. And we see the challenges, we see the persecution, we see the faith of the Apostles, the same type of things that we have to meet each and every day within our own life. And I like to look at today's reading, which is a typical example of the readings that appear in the Acts of the Apostles and they break little excerpts up. But the important thing to understand, to make sense of this, is that you need to remember that last week in the story, not last week Sunday, but in the story, Paul was in the synagogue and he was preaching to people against the Jewish leaders and he told them what happened was the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ and its purpose and its explanation. He told them that they killed Christ, though Christ was innocent. He told them that what had happened was 
they were wrong in what they were doing. And he excited such an enthusiasm that spread throughout the entire community. Now we go to this week. And this week, what happens is, is when the apostles go back to the synagogue, Paul goes back to the synagogue to this week, it opens up by telling us a large crowd came to the synagogue. Jews came and Gentiles came. And they came to the synagogue to hear these guys preach and to give the message. And they give the same message again. They talk about what Jesus did in fulfilling the scriptures that had taken place throughout the entire Old Testament. They talk about the passion. They talk about everything that Jesus had done. They talk about the fact that Jesus, not only that, but on the cross said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He taught them forgiveness. We need to understand all of that. And what happens is, he turns, they turn, the crowds and them are so amazed and so enthusiastic and so anxious, they begin to turn against the Jewish leaders. And this causes jealousy. Does that sound familiar to you in your life when you lead a Christian life and some people maybe want to make fun of you and fun of the way you are? But Paul and Barnabas boldly went forward. They talked about their previous speech, even though they faced rejection. They did everything they possibly could. Now, one of the things that becomes important to understand, we always hear about Paul preaching to the Gentiles. But remember, Paul always preached to the Jewish people first, and then he preached to the Gentiles, wherever, they went, wherever he went, because he was always trying to convert the Jewish people. Paul really converted many, many people. Paul is the perfect example for each and every one of us in our lives to understand either by our words, but mostly by our actions, we have evangelization. And that's crucial and that's understandable. Remember what Paul VI told us all, evangelization begins at home. Evangelization begins with these little ones and all our children and all our family and making each and every one of them be able to understand what the faith is about. Every parent that's here that was baptized and they had their children baptized took a vow at that baptism that they were going to raise their family as Christians. You made that vow and you had godparents there who were witnesses of that vow. And you there with the universal mission of the Catholic Church to baptize and to go and teach all nations and to make sure that they are blessed in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. That becomes our journey. That becomes what we're supposed to be able to do. This is what our life is all about. We preach and naturally what happened was those who don't want to follow us, those who want to go in the worldly way, those who want to practice relativism, what they do in their particular lives do the same thing the Jewish women and the Jewish men did who went against Jesus. Now, I don't recommend you do what Paul and Barnabas did. Take off your sandals and shake the sand from the shoes. I think we got to remember when Jesus was on the cross, he said, forgive them. And I think each and every day, a morning prayer that I say, it says, trust me. And in that trust me, it's a prayer about my children. And it says each and every day, if you truthfully believe in God and his passion, his death and his resurrection, then he's going to take care of your children. And you need to trust him. And you need to make sure that you can't redeem your children because they've already been redeemed by God. 
You can't forgive them their sins, but a priest in the church can forgive them their sins. What you can do and what your job is to love, to care, and to make sure you show all the respect that each and every one of your children can have. Now, one of the challenges I have today is that I got all kinds of things that I have to address. Because I talk about the Acts of the Apostles and the journey, but part of the journey is the Good Shepherd. And I'm telling you, in the bulletin today, Father Daniel does an excellent job. Take it home and read what they say about the Good Shepherd. I can't say all that today. If I do, you shoot me for getting out of here at 1230. So what has to happen is you have to take something on your part to be able to make sure that each and every one of you all do the things that are necessary to become good shepherds. And think what a good shepherd is. I think about a good shepherd out there in the fields with his sheep and nightfall comes and it's absolute darkness. And the dangers start coming after the sheep in the darkness. And I have to protect and I have to lead and I have to make sure that my sheep are taken care of. And I have to make sure that they're there the next morning when the light comes up. And I think that's what each and every one of us has to do with our children, with our homes, with our families, and with ourselves personally. That's crucial. That's crucial. And I think what happens is, what better Sunday than this Sunday to call Vocation Sunday? I think the Catholic Church is very wise in its liturgies and the way it arranges itself. And it says we have Vocation Sunday. And then one of the things I'd like to say is I'd like to say my vocation prayer that I like to say every morning in my morning prayers. Lord our God, please inspire many more laborers to minister to your people in our church as priests, as religious, as deacons, as husbands and wives, and as parents. Those are your vocations. And we need to remember that. And it's crucial and important, especially that we have priests. If we don't have priests, what happens to us is we don't have that precious sacrament right there that we can go to the Eucharist and receive the grace that we need each and every day. When I was in Tyler, Texas, Tyler, Texas, in that diocese, was 2% Catholic. And once again, we had 86 priests in our, in our, parish, in our diocese. And there were only eight of the priests that were Anglos. The other 88 came from international societies and came to us from India, from Colombia, from Africa, from Mexico, from all sorts of places. And sometimes we would hear the complaints. We can't quite understand them. We can't quite understand what they're saying. Get past that. Realize that at their ordination, they are given the right to be able to make sure that our sacrament of Eucharist continues and the sacraments continue. And that becomes crucial to all of us and to everything that we do within our lives. And the final thing I have to do, and this is important, guys, you've got to listen to this. This is a happy Mother's Day. Man, I am so happy with my spouse for 55 years. She puts up with me. But don't make the mistake that I made. My children called me up last week. They said, what can we get mom for Mother's Day? I said, I have no idea what I can do. Let me ask Google. I said, Google, what can I get Diane for Mother's Day? Four days later, after she kept continuing to talk, all the things she wanted, finally we hit the target. I knew I had a list that I could give them to pick things from. So remember that. Don't ask Google 
but to get somebody for Mother's Day. You'll get four days of preaching. 